everybody, and welcome to What's the Point podcast. Um, I'm Pastor Lawrence Yu. Excited to be here with you uh, today. I'm joined by uh, Pastor Danny, and I'm Pastor Eric. We got a fun little podcast for you today. Actually, our podcast is based on um, most of us hearing a lot of questions from some of you. Um, questions along the lines of, "How do you know that you were called to be a pastor? How does that even happen? You know, do you wake up one morning and you're like, oh." pastor it is for me? Or what, what's the process of being called um, into this vocational ministry for people who you know just want to know or for people who might be answering that call themselves? This is just a question that people have asked us, so we wanted to share that with the podcast today. We have a lot of great future podcasts coming up. Those of you guys who are uh, part of our podcast, I want you guys to be aware. We have an incredible future slate of podcasts. We have uh, so many guests coming in that we're so excited to have them, so make sure you get spreading the word and keep on listening to our podcast. But today I'm joined by these two wonderful and incredible pastors and we're going to talk about um just a call what i mean how did you even think about becoming a pastor uh, what does that look like and uh, what happened to that process so today i'll start with pastor danny. danny yeah yeah so thanks and i grew up in a you know solid christian home where my dad deacon type my uncle deacon my grandmother and my aunt played the piano and the organ. What's your dad's name? My dad's name is, is Dan, so, and I'm Danny. De- Deacon Dan. Deacon, Deacon Dan. Dan. <laughs> I, he wasn't, yeah, our church, they called each other brother. My grandfather was Brother Pete, mm. and he was a lay pastor. He uh, didn't have a college degree, but he went to, like, lay ministry school, so he actually was, like, a second career volunteer pastor. Uh, so I grew up around the ministry. How come we don't call each other like brother or deacon or any brother, of these like titles? Brother Law. Brother Law. Mm-hmm. Brother, brother Lawrence Law. is Bro-Dot Brother Law. Lawrence is a famous guy from history. Like That's isn't right. he the guy who practiced the presence or something? Yeah, like that? practiced the presence. So we have Brother Lawrence, Brother Eric. I mean, we could call you Brother Lawrence. I'm okay with. Do it. you have to wear a friar type outfit or have that little white collar thing to be? I could shave my head like a like a friar. That'd be okay. nice. The little hole in the top. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So I grew up around it. And I also grew up in a denomination that the first Sunday of the month was Mission Sunday. So I was always like, I'm not, I'm not going to Africa. I'm not going to Africa. I'm not going to Africa. That was my, uh, I used to say. That like, was your prayer. That was my prayer. <laughs> God, I'm not going to Africa. Uh, I don't know why, some reason. But also when I was a kid, I was really interested in geography. And my grandmother, both grandmothers had this atlas set, like the door-to-door salesmen sold these things in like the 60s and they still had it in their house in the 80s when I was a kid and I would just read about every country so I love geography I love cultures I would memorize like the capital and all the you know but I never thought I would do anything like that didn't really feel called to it but when I was in a in college, I was in a fraternity, which sounds kind of interesting, but it wasn't the wildest fraternity on campus. We actually got pretty good grades, and you know there were some <laughs> wild guys in it, but we were like probably one of the more wild fraternities, and we didn't even really drink. Most of us didn't weren't heavy drinkers or anything, but uh, in the fraternity, I just got a lot of leadership roles, and I ended up just, I led a Bible study and, and just realized that I was gifted in caring for others and some of the pastoral-type gifts. I was gifted in, but I didn't. My best friend was actually going to seminary at the time. I mean, he he like when we graduated, he went straight to seminary. Uh, but I had also dabbled in. Hey, I should I should g- give one summer to missions because remember, I I'm the guy who doesn't want to go to Africa, so I was afraid if I even gave God an inch, he would take like a mile or or many miles. So I never signed up for anything in all like three years of college. I didn't sign up for any kind of trips, but I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll do my checkbox and I'll go to Croatia on this nine week summer thing after my senior year. And then I'll backpack around Europe when it's over. And they canceled the Croatia trip, shifted 
focus. I but I had already signed up, so I ended up in East Asia in a place where you know just kind of very remote, didn't know the language. And through that experience, God began to show me that I, that I really I had this desire for cultures, and I had a desire for God's word and teaching God's word. So kind of this combination of in the fraternity, like just being able to care for people. Uh, and then this desire for God's word mixed with all of a sudden I had this overseas missions experience where I really I really realized that I enjoyed sharing the Bible and I enjoyed meeting with other people and, and really uh, just presenting Christ. So your interest with geography tied into your interest teaching the word with your call to leadership. That yeah. kind of was your start to your yeah. experience in ministry. What about you, Eric? Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting. I, I think the the first kind of maybe inclination I had about pastoral ministry was when I was in high school. I I played around with the idea and was like, "That's stupid." Like I'm never. I, I think I had a, a general like I I always felt like I had a chip on my shoulder because I was I've always been more reserved and and so even even just like my perception of of pastoral ministry was you're a preacher. I'm like I'm never gonna be a preacher, so uh, I'm just like I loved I loved studying God's word. I loved being uh, just a student of the word and trying to grow in it. And uh, I had a I had a mentor in high school where he would he would he had some kids in the in the youth ministry that I was a part of, and he would lead like every other week he'd have a like a Wednesday night Bible study at his house, um, and I was I was always amazed that like all these middle school and high school age kids just flocked to his house. Like he it was just like a really compelling witness and, and like he was always engaging there. Like people loved talking to him, engaging with him. Uh, I always wanted to ask him the question that he didn't know the answer to. I felt like he knew the answer to everything. And so I like I was my goal was to ask him a question in the Bible that was so hard that he was like, I don't know. And now you're a youth pastor. And yeah. now so the youth, youth are trying. My, exactly. One of my sons I know has thought that would be a fun idea for, for <laughs> Pastor Eric. Right. So, yeah, I, I encourage him to do that. I, I mean, I used to, like, like looking back on it, he, he now has talked about, like, he, he's like, I remember the time Eric pulled me into the side room and started asking me about the book of Nehemiah. And I was like, oh, Lord, please help me. Because, <laughs> uh, like, who reads Nehemiah? Um, and so, so I kind of threw that idea out when I was in high school. I was like, there's no, like, I'm never going to be the guy standing up, like, preaching God's word to people. Uh, and so I didn't really know, I didn't really know how that would fit. So, I, so like, when I was making that jump from, from high school to college, I was trying to think about, like, what, what gifting has the Lord given me? What am I passionate about? And how can I, how can I use those gifts in some other kind of career path. I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I, I had no idea to the point that I, I studied psychology, right? Um, like, who studies psych? Like, what are you going to do with a psych degree? It was kind of the question. Pre-unemployment, when I was, when I right? And, <laughs> you heard of pre-med? Pre- Pre-unemployment. That's what they used um, to say where I went but, to school. But the reason why I chose psychology is because I thought, well, one of the things that I really love and, and have really enjoyed and, and has, have really been able to minister, minister to other people was through uh, through counseling, through through like giving counsel to, to other friends, um, and and specifically trying to relate that counsel in, in God's word, and so like bringing God's word into people's pro- like my friends' problems and, and trying to to speak to them in that. Uh, I actually when when I was in high school had um, had an older couple in my church who gave like spoke a prophetic word over me of they they like described me as like they they saw the Lord as like 
the message they had for me was, uh, you, you're like a like a like a strong, deeply rooted tree that people are going to come and sit under in in seasons of storms. And so I always thought that like was really interesting because that that like I I had seen that confirmed over over the course of high school and even even in the college I saw that where um, I would I would just have random people at time like. Like I would just meet them for the first time, and all of a sudden they would just open up to me about their life, mm-hmm. and it was just somewhat unsettling because it's like, wow, you're really you're really revealing a lot more than I imagine you would reveal to people. Um, but then I don't know. I guess because I'm more reserved, they people just know I'm not going to say anything. And that's a great word about you. I think mm-hmm. that just, that prophetic word is a good description of who you are. I yeah, think. and so. So it's like, it's not that I don't have anything to say. It's that I'm not allowed to say anything that I have to say because people have told me all these confidential things. But um. So then how, how did you, so we've talked about my kind of early part, Eric's, how, how about you, Lawrence? Like, well, it's kind of the yeah. early years of like before you like literally went to seminary or, yeah. or took the final step. What, what are some of the early so steps? I knew I was called into ministry my senior year of high school. And so for me, a vocational pastoral ministry, I, was, I just felt that that was my calling even then. And for me, what happened was when I was in high school, my life got changed. I became a Christian. Mm. And I just started just eating up the word. And then I loved t- telling other people about it. And so my youth group, we had a youth group of about 30, 40 people. And I became a leader, started speaking and teaching. And our group, our group, our youth group just kept on growing. We kept on sharing, sharing and people kept on coming. And I discovered for me in my heart was that I was most satisfied. I was most excited and most happy when I saw lives being transformed by the grace of God. It was something that just resonated in my heart. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is better than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, I remember my senior year, my sister became a Christian her freshman year. And I remember my life, she came to one of our youth group events, and I was just like, this is, there's nothing better than this. Yeah. You know, and I just saw lives being changed. And I saw that, what, the power of, of God's work and gospel transformation. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be a part of that. I can't think of any other better way to spend my life and spend what I did than be a part of seeing God's transformational work in people's lives. So it just excited me. I was so pumped to do it. I still remember this day. I, this, is, this is powerful for me, but I remember I was at camp. I was asked to be a, one of the student leaders, and I was you know, leading a Bible study group, and we were um, people were praying for each other. And I remember the pastor, the speaker at the camp, literally said, you know, I feel like some of you are called to full-time vocational ministry and missions. And I was like, okay. And this is a very baptist camp, student life mm-hmm. camp. Uh-huh. Even the preacher was a very baptist preacher. And he goes, well, I want you guys to stand up right where you're at. Mm-hmm. If you're called full-time, and I remember like, being like, that's me. Mm. It's, I remember standing up right there. I was the guy who didn't stand up. When yeah. they, when they yeah. said stand up, I was like, I can go to the bathroom. <laughs> but you, I did. I stand in high school. Bathroom. In high school. Yeah. But I did. I was like, okay. And, you know, I was like, that's me. So I stood up. I still remember my youth minister laying his hands on me and praying over me that, that, that day. So, I mean, to me, I was just like, I, I can't imagine. I, mean, I can't imagine myself doing something else, but I can't imagine being satisfied as fully as I am. What, um, what was that like for you in that moment? Like, did you, like, I guess maybe after, in the aftermath of that, did you feel like this weight on you? Or? Not a weight. Yes, in some ways. I felt like, yes, this is my calling. I was so excited. At the same time, I grew up in a very uh, Korean-American home. And my whole life, I was taught that I'm the hope of the family. Hmm. You know, like, I wow. have to make a lot of money. That was, that was always it. My parents so you so went hard. into ministry. Cause. And that was the biggest. <laughs> the, I still remember my freshman year. The hardest decision I ever had to do was tell my parents the hardest thing I ever Freshman year of college? Freshman year of college is when I told them. I said, I'm not going to law school. I'm not going to be a corporate lawyer like, I, like you always hoped I'd be. I'm going to be in ministry. 
And that's when I took my first job as um, a youth minister. Like a part-time youth yep. minister, yeah. So wow. yeah. And how did it go with your parents? Like, Oh, not well. Not well. Yeah. <laughs> At first, they're, they're okay now. Partly they're okay now because I married Gina, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> he married up, so that's the thing. If you, that's the lesson for all of you. <laughs> no. She became the hope of the family. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, Daddy, you felt this call you, you did to the overseas. You experienced going to East Asia. You felt this call. You teaching the word. What happened next? What's what so, was next for you? So when I was in high school, I kind of looked around. I, I grew up like middle class, lower middle class economically, you know, and my parents, you know, there were times when we struggled with money and I was like, I'm going to make a ton of money. That was kind of my, uh, my high school goal. And I settled on chiropractor cause like, I thought it's pretty cool. Like cracking bones a little easier in medical school. And, you know, and, and I thought, and I, my, I knew a chiropractor in our area that did pretty well financially and worked four days a week. And, he actually helped my friend. My best friend was like in bad shape and the chiropractor really helped him out so he could play baseball again. So I kind of was on this chiropractic tra- track, went to pre-med and college, got to the second organic chemistry and then the pre-med class and the pre-med class like grossed me out. My advisor's like, so you get ga- you have, you get gagged around blood and, <laughs> and he's like, you get gagged around blood and you can barely make a C in organic chemistry too. He's like, I don't think medical school's for you. <laughs> so I switched to business and then, but at the same time I was getting heavily involved in crew on campus. I was involved in fraternity. I went overseas and then I, I switched to human resource management. I was like, I got to get a business degree because my parents are going to kill me because I've been on this pre-med track and business is at least the most pragmatic. Human resources seem like right up my alley because I like people. You get to take some psychology classes and the business classes. I took a human resource job knowing that I was probably going to go back overseas for just a year. They have kind of have this year stint program. And I was like, I'll just do that. And, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do in human resources. I thought I might even work for the SEC because I worked for the Auburn football team and the Auburn baseball team. And I was like, maybe I'll go into like sports, sports something. Oh, Auburn. And then, yeah, Lawrence and I went to rival colleges. And now, now Auburn's a rival college with UNC. We didn't used to be good at basketball, but now we're Yeah, a you guys bit. are ditching out on us this year. I know, I know. I'm scared. But um, so, so I go overseas and I just feel like this call. And then I, one thing, I, I begin to love the Old Testament. I feel like I never thought about how God's word fit together. So all this is happening. I take this human resource job right out of school. And then uh, it, it's, it's just, a, it's kind of a disaster. I literally had to go around malls and steal managers from one company <laughs> to another. This is before the great recession. Unemployment was really low and companies just needed more employees. So I literally would go watch, observe a manager of a sports sporting goods store and see if he was a good manager or not, report my notes to the company that was our company, and they would decide whether they want to recruit this guy. So <laughs> so, I, so I'm so i like, okay, I don't want to do this human resource job. Local church has this u- small Methodist church in town, like kind of the country church on the outskirts of town where I was living, has a youth director job. My mom's like, hey, you should check it out. They, they meet me. They're like really excited. I become their youth director. Um, and I start going to church staff meetings. The pastor, I guess, started noticing I had some pastoral gifts and that I really loved the Bible. He actually sent me on hospital visits. And next thing you know, I'm I'm a youth pastor. I, then I take a job at the local high school teaching graphic arts uh, just for the year because the graphic arts teacher, uh, you know, got had a baby. So I, I just kind of got jumped right into uh, pastoral ministry. 
learned a lot about what it means to be on a, a staff team. This was a medium-sized church. And uh, then I went back overseas and continued to love God's Word. Then I started really studying theology, started digging deeper in the Word, and just how... I mean, the, the main question I'd get overseas was mostly with atheists. And I had to think through, like, what did I really believe? Mm. What is the gospel? Like, what is the good news from the beginning to the end? Mm. Who is Jesus? Because mm. I just knew some random answers as a kid. I mean, literally, my Christianity was about 15 sound bites. My whole faith was 15 sound bites. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as you're engaging with people who are atheists, but they're interested, they're like, hey, I'm, tell me the meaning of life. I don't know. Maybe you know, and I had to really sort out my theology, sort out what I th- knew was true, and sort out the whole, the Bible as a whole. And that's where I really begin to love systematic theology, but even bi- but more importantly, biblical theology. That's good. So so I so I was at that church for about a year and a half as a youth director. Then I went overseas. Random mm-hmm. side note: you mentioned systematic versus biblical theology. For our listeners, what's the difference? Okay, so systematic theology is, is just a theme, like a topic, like atonement, and it's every time, or angels, every time the Bible mentions something about that, you kind of take all those passages together and then analyze them and see how, so it's a, it's a, it's a topic, and it's really popular among Western Christians because we want answers. We don't want to live with any kind of paradox. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about this? Unfortunately, the Bible isn't written like that. In Corinthians, there's probably 50 systematic theology topics that are weaved, uh, woven in through the text. So biblical theology is like, how does it all fit together? So you look. At, so in biblical theology, you look at 1 Corinthians as a whole. Why does Paul put it there? Why is it there? And how does it fit in the bigger narrative of the New Testament and the New Covenant? And how does it fit in the bigger narrative of the whole, all of Scripture? That's biblical theology. Systematic theology might just be looking at one topic that Paul brings up four times in First uh, Corinthians. So they're, they're intertwined, but they are different. And I feel like when I was coming up, we, maybe in the 80s and in the 90s and even into the thousands, maybe there was too much of an emphasis on systematic theology. A couple themes. The gospel is just this. And at the expense of all these other th- richness. And I would say now biblical theology is kind of coming back because we feel like we, we really do not... Because systematic theology is sometimes just because we were always looking at it through a Western, a Western lens. And we just want answers. You know, we want the answer guy. We want it my way mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. And biblical theology is just harder because it's, it's it leaves paradox and tension. It's good. Yeah, t- touching back into, uh, you know, you're describing this experience of you're, you're in a different culture, a different environment. You're, you're uh, filling in these questions from atheists, and it's really having, like, causing you to, to go back and ask yourself. Uh, it, it seems like, at least in, in this cultural environment we're in right now, that people respond to that kind of thing as it's disorienting and confusing and leads to doubt. But, you know, how, so how, how is that for you as you, you process that? I begin to see that the Bible was one coherent story about Jesus. I begin to think of the gospel not just individually, but as God was saving a people. Mm-hmm. God had a plan from the beginning that it wasn't just about me. I think I had mixed, I had grown up with the American dream. I had grown up thinking that if I just pull myself up by my bootstraps and do the right thing and that God helps those who help themselves, you know, that, mm. you know, and... That awesome verse that's not in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. in, in uh, Proverbs 34. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a joke. There's no Proverbs 34 for those of you out there. Uh, so, Bible humor. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, I, I just had to really 
like say god who are you like i couldn't just say oh jesus christ you know is my lord and savior what does it mean he's my lord and savior actually that's what the we're the next three weeks we're we'll preaching on the apostles creed yeah and uh what does it mean to say i believe in god the father almighty like what mm-hmm. what does it mean so in dealing with people who had no framework of christianity i'm not even talking about an american atheist who mm-hmm. or ca- uh, claiming right. atheism who has framework of christianity i was dealing with people i mean we literally had someone say oh i know what easter is isn't that when you play a joke on each other it's like on April 1st. I mean, that's those. I was dealing with people who had no framework for, of Christianity other than some negative stereotypes from the Crusades and mm-hmm. the Inquisition. So it forced me to see the gospel as this good news from start to finish that wasn't just about me escaping judgment, but it was about God's plan. And me escaping judgment was part of that, but I'm part of something bigger, mm. and I'm bringing people into this grand narrative that this this great love of god and it really took the focus off me and it forced me to think about the person in front of me and and, and the culture in front of me and the and the and the just the vastness of of the of humanity that just would love to hear the good news of jesus so it changed my perspective mm-hmm. and that's i good. that's so that began my call to ministry yeah. so i was like i would like to do this however i can as long as i can that's good yeah. now eric you Study psychology because you like to be you were that tree that you wanted to be the tree that get people can rest under the shade. Mm-hmm. This counselor for you. What, is, what, what did that? How did that take you? What did that take you next? Yeah. So um, as I, you know, I was confronted with this question of you know pre-employment. Employment was looking at me in, in, in the face because I'm about to graduate. <laughs> or unemployment was looking at me in the face. Being married and, soon, right? Yeah. I mean, I was I was married at the time actually, yeah, yeah. so I was like already married. I'm like on this path toward unemployment, uh, about to graduate, and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? And uh, just started thinking about things I'd been involved in while I was at UNC and, and what I was passionate about, um, what I was interested in, what I felt like different giftings for. Um, and so one of, the, one of the issues I had with psychology is that I was learning about all these different kinds of psychological theories but I couldn't really reconcile them with a like a Christian worldview or a biblical understanding of people. Like this is these theories are are describing people in this way, uh, saying these are our fundamental problems, these are coping me- mechanisms, and, and these are like our our these are our solutions for how we get over these things. Um, and I just didn't see how that fit with what God said about people and how sin came into that the, the equation and, and and so I still thought okay I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue counseling in some capacity I'm, I'm gonna pursue professional counseling so there's gonna be more schooling for me um, and so I started talking with uh, somebody who the, the guy who actually married me KJ Hill who's a pastor at, at the Summit Church um, we were going to the summit at the time, and I knew I knew from having that connection with him that he had a similar background. He had a similar like he had uh, studied in school to to be a professional counselor at one point. Um, and so I just asked him, you know, there's some other people in the ministry I was involved in at, at Crew Campus Ministry uh, who had studied psychology and, and went on to Southeastern for seminary to study biblical counseling. Um, and so I started asking him about the program, about the degree, and, and what he thought about it. And 
uh, there's another guy on staff at uh, at some at the summit at the time uh, who was a campus pastor who had gone to uh, Southeastern for biblical counseling and kind of gave a positive uh, recommendation for it and, and said, you know, after, after kind of wa- walking through, it was like, yeah, this really fits. So I went into Southeastern for seminary thinking, okay, I, my plan of action is to be a professional counselor. So I'm going to get biblical training and, and biblical counseling training, and then I'm going to go into a secular context and kind of be on the mission field like and and that was kind of that was kind of my my thought process but then yeah when when i was in in the thick of things i realized like the the training that i was doing like i would need more training and i felt like like more training if i wanted to go into the like the secular context to do professional counseling um i i really felt like in my time in seminary the lord was burdening my heart for the local church and so i had this growing passion and desire for for serving the church and so so my my focus started to shift from secular context to the church context and then that created this this burden of well there's no jobs in that there's still this this nagging unemployment question right uh, the, the only people, the, the, the problem with getting a biblical counseling degree and thinking you're going to go work in a church is the only churches that are going to hire that position are big churches. And because they're the only churches that have the, the resources financially to support something like that. But then those churches are only going to hire somebody with experience. So it's like... It, Chicken it, or the egg. Yeah, it's like, so, so then what do you do? All like how, like there's, the no, there's no row... <laughs> There's no road for this. There's no there's no pathway for for a job. And so it's like, God, why are you you're burning my heart for the local church? And I have this desire for what I didn't realize at the time, what I now have words for is more of like pastoral care type ministry. Um, and so I was doing I was doing like a graduate counseling internship, doing counseling uh, at the summit and was just I was working full time at Chick-fil-A, was finishing up my degree at Southeastern. And was just in this position of like, man, I don't know what to do. And so one of my friend's brothers actually had a connection to a guy who was doing counseling at, at Bridgehaven, which is a Christian counseling ministry in, in Durham and Raleigh. And this counselor had actually gone through the same pr- program that I was doing at Southeastern. He's like, you should, you should go talk to him and just kind of hear how he got to where he's at. He's, you know, doing full-time counseling, you know, just, just to kind of pick his brain. And so I was like, yeah, that's actually a really great idea. So I went and I talked to him and uh, I started asking him all these questions about, you know, what, what kind of career paths did you have? What kind of opportunities did you see as you, you came out of this program? And he, he was like, you know, you could, you could do the counseling route, but one of the things, there's, there's a lot of overlap in, in the classes you're taking to, you could be a pastor in like a Southern Baptist church. And I th- that was like the first time that I was like, wow. I never, I hadn't thought about that. Like, like in my mind, that that was that option was not a, a real option because, like, I think part of me was afraid of that. Part of me was afraid to to pursue pastoral ministry. I was like, that's not. I don't know if I have the giftings to do that. I think I have the giftings to maybe do some kind of like pastoral stuff. But and you you said earlier you thought that only meant this big preacher, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so like my. My view had kind of changed, had, had kind of sh- taken more shape since getting more theological training and, and, and starting to realize, okay, like 
maybe that is something that I that I could do, and that maybe maybe that is. And so, like praying through that, and really really starting like to wrestle with that option of maybe this is what God is calling me to. And I, I remember, I remember, I remember Lawrence meeting with you at Starbucks one day, and I was like, you know, I think I could probably put together one good sermon manuscript, but I don't think I'm a preaching pastor. Like, I don't think I could preach. I think you're a pretty good preacher, um, brother. <laughs> and so I was, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember that. I remember that vividly. I've just, and you probably didn't think anything of it. Um, I mean, you're just, mm-hmm. like, thinking how you, how you can, like, fit pieces together. And you're like, <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to, like, get these skill sets. And, um, and yeah, like, I, so I, I, after I graduated, I was res- resolved, okay, Lord, I'm just going to give it a try. Like, I really, I think that this is something that you've put on my heart. This is something you've put on my heart for a long time. And I just, I was afraid of it. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to take a step of faith and trust you. And if this is really what I'm called to, then you, I, th- mm. I think you'll open a door to this. Mm. Awesome. And so I worked on my resume, and I just started applying to churches. I applied to like 30 churches, 30-plus 30 churches over the southeast region, and I heard back from two of them. And I got an actual phone call from one of them, and the whole time they were like, I was trying to convince them, no, I really want to do this job. They thought I was just trying to get counseling hours, and then I was going to go into like professional counseling. It's like, no, that's not what I'm doing. Like, I, I really want to pursue this. Um, and then I never heard back from them again. So, uh, but then, then like, this opportunity opened up at Waypoint. And it's like, it, yeah, the Lord the Lord opened this door. I, I was praying, Lord, would you, like, after each application that I would turn in, I would say, Lord, would you, would you uh, I, I just pray for, for men who would be leading the church who would take a chance on me, who'd want to, who'd want to invest in me, who would, who'd take the risk and, and, uh, and, and, and take the opportunity to disciple me, to grow me up, to, to do the work that I believe you've called me to. And mm. I think the Lord has answered that prayer. And so I'm, I'm grateful for uh, being in this role and, and doing the things that, that I'm getting to do and, and just see it as a huge, huge answer to prayer. And, and just mm. I've been blown away by how the Lord's been able to, uh, to, to work through the, the ministry of Waypoint Church. Well, we're, we're so grateful to have you. And, and one of the things you guys at home might – we're, we're, Eric's kind of alluding to, but it's like the local church and, and local pastors start noticing some things and start giving a little bit more opportunity. And Eric, we obviously identified that you were called to pastoral ministry and, and begin to give you more opportunities to, to show that. How about you, Lawrence? So, you, so you're a freshman at mm-hmm. University of Florida. You've made the declaration to your parents, like you really feel called to this. You're this part-time youth pastor. I'm guessing it not at a mega church, right? It is a combination of four small Methodist churches. Okay, so you're you're a, you're a youth pastor at a combination of four small rural southern central Florida re, uh, churches. You're at University of Florida. How did what? How did you feel affirmed in this call? Like obviously, we we get affirmed by local churches and others. How did you feel affirmed in the call? Well, so, so for me, actually, it's interesting. I knew I was called to ministry when I first got to Florida. Uh, it took the form of I was like a, any other pretentious college student. I, I thought I was going to be like, oh, I'm called to be Louis Giglio or, you know, like I'm <laughs> yeah. supposed to have massive followings of people and I'm going to preach to the mass crowds and every other campus ministry doesn't know what they're talking about, you know? And so yeah. that was me. We've I, all been there. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. And we started this campus ministry and God did great things through it. But then um, I had a pastor who knew me and loved me, was willing to call me out. And said, Lawrence, great. You have a big following of campus students in the campus ministry, but do you know that God loves the local church? And where's who's your accountability? What what are you? What are you doing? What church are you a part of? And I'm like, 
uh, I go to different churches every Sunday. And they're like, they're like, no, no, no. You're not in church then. You're not a part of the family. You're not part of the fellowship. You're not part of the community. So I was like, dang it. So that's when I became a youth minister was because I, I knew we stopped the campus ministry and I became the youth minister of the church. And I loved it. I actually loved it a little too much in the sense of I first, like I really school became like secondary. Mm. And I just devoted my life to the youth ministry. Um, and it was something that I just was passionate about. And so ever since then, I was, I've been in vocational ministry. Um, I got to work there. I got to experience um, the pastor there wanted me to preach all the time. So I got to preach a lot because I, th- I think he was kind of like, I don't feel like preaching too often. So he was like, you let me preach a lot. And uh, um, it was wonderful. Um, and then uh, after college, I became a youth and children's pastor and uh, spent some time doing that. And in that process, I just was over and over affirmed in my calling by people around me. Uh, more and more, I just realized I love seeing what God's doing, His transformational work. Um, I loved seeing, as I fall deeper in love with His Word, I also realized that I needed to learn more. And so after my second job as a youth and children's pastor, I felt the call to seminary. Okay. I was yeah. going to actually ask that question because Eric had alluded, you know, his time at Southeastern really was the time when he got the biblical foundation. Mm-hmm. How So how was that for you? Like, Yeah, so it was very interesting because... Um, I had a, a, actually, it was really cool. It was, it was actually the um, the chancellor of RTS was a good friend of an elder. RTS of, is uh, uh, a Reform, seminary in Orlando. Yeah, Reformed so. Theological Seminary. So I actually met with him, and he was explaining to me how important seminary was. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. But you got you to understand, guys, I just wasn't much of a student. I mean, I, I, I was a good student, but I just did not like studying. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked, uh, I loved doing ministry. I loved having fun. But I just was like, I don't know if I want to study again. You're but, one of those guys. You could just get by. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I was, school was always very easy for me, mm-hmm. you know. But um, but I was because school was so easy for me, it developed really bad habits in me, you know. Like I was a kid who, like in college, in college, I took a mythology class, and I showed up for the midterm and the uh, final. That's it. Never mm-hmm. showed up for another day of class, and I got an A in the class. Mm-hmm. So it was bad. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I, I should, <laughs> please, kids, don't follow me. <laughs> don't be like me ever, ever. Um, but but I realized at the same time that he was telling me, well, so here's some of the books that we, we, we want our, our students to have read before they come to seminary. And I've read all of them because mm-hmm. I loved reading about uh, the, the Bible. I started to love reading about God. And I loved learning more. So I was like, oh, this won't be that bad. So you like the learning part, not the test part and yeah. the, the well, paper part. I, exactly. I liked learning. I didn't like the responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I knew I was called to seminary. So I went to RTS, and that was so foundational for me. It, it grounded me. It formed so much of my training my thinking but at the same time I was also disappointed at RTS because it almost felt like a bunch of ivory tower students together who talk theory about ministry but not actually practice actual ministry mm-hmm. so it was an interesting place for me I loved RTS don't get me wrong but it was just that was um, kind of a little bit more experience there but yeah I went to RTS went to seminary got my master of divinity and um, just loved that whole experience and the whole time that I was there I was also a full time youth pastor so it was, it was really great for me to both be still practicing ministry vocationally while also learning and growing. Yeah, I did seminary over nine years. So I, I worked full-time the whole time and had one ki- one child when we started, three children by the end. But it, I, I, I was okay with going slow. I did a lot of distance stuff. When I first started seminary, it, they would send you a, like a box and it had 46 cassette tapes. <laughs> then the next year, they switched over to like a, uh, a CD-ROM, and then they got to jump drives, and then you could just download it. So I, I actually was part of the entire... Wow, you saw the whole thing wow. I, saw, I saw the all-distance learning uh, shift, and then I finished my time in at 
Gordon Conwell's uh, on their main campus, uh, which is north of Boston. But yeah, seminary was also formational for me. I am one of the people who can study slowly. I don't need to just knock it out. I kind of enjoyed it. I know for some people that would drive them crazy. But for those of you guys out there, there are lots of options. You can take seminary classes, even as a layperson. There's some options mm-hmm. for you know, you can audit classes. You can even take iTunes U. Actually, many seminaries offer some of, some of their classes on iTunes U. So we, we, we can even help you navigate that, even if you don't feel called to, you know, go into full-time ministry, but vocational ministry, but you want to learn more and grow more. Seminary there is, is amazing, and technology has made it more access, accessible than ever. And I think one of the things that hopefully you've heard as you've listened to our stories is that they're very different. Yeah. All of our stories are very different. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't every, not, not a single one of us was one moment lightning struck and all of a sudden we knew. Yeah. But that could happen to some of you. Mm-hmm. They're just different stories. Sometimes it took a while. Sometimes seminary could take nine years. Sometimes it could take quick. Sometimes can go right after college. Some people mm-hmm. go after doing ministry for a while. It's just so many different tracks when it comes down to being called. Uh, there's not one way. Mm-hmm. And I also want you to know this too, not just when it comes to vocational ministry, but upon God's call upon your life, whatever that may be, it doesn't all look the same. Not everybody has the same path. And times when we don't see how God's moving is exactly the time that He's doing stuff that we can't see in the background. But when we look back, we can see His fingerprints all over it. You know, I bet you Eric would be here to be the first one to test. Like, thank God, mm-hmm. thank God that he didn't get the phone calls back. Thank God that these mm-hmm. these places thought that he was going to be a counselor and only wanted to be a counselor because we got to benefit here at Waypoint Church. Of uh, of seeing Eric be not only bring all his gifts, but also seeing him um, become more and more of an incredible pastor every day. Thank God that Danny felt a call to the nations early on with his love of geography. You know, because here at Waypoint Church, we get to experience somebody who has experience in missions and different cultures, who has a passion for the nations. You know, thank God that God's brought these people here together. And for you, Waypointers who are listening. You know, for me, as 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 a pastor of this church, who's been you know, as, as we started this thing together, I just thank God that God has brought these two men here, and, and the, the the past and the the way He He took them and called them, and we know that He's called them. We see that evidence every day. You, the Bible talks about judging a tree by its fruit, and we see the fruit of their uh, obedience and the fruit of their faithfulness. And so, uh, we thank God that God's called them. And for you, those of you guys, wherever you're at, God's called you. He's going to walk you through it. And can I tell a, just a story to maybe encourage you guys at home? So when I was first married, Eric and I were planning on going uh, back overseas just for three years, just to kind of we start. We're part of a, a program, and we wanted to finish it and see it through. And Erica was working as an English teacher at a local Christian school, and I was going to work one year at that Christian school. They had offered me a, a job just teaching all the random classes. The day, bef- the day I was going to go sign the papers, they're like, hey, we found somebody that's going to be more permanent, and I lost the job, and I was devastated. I was like, God, what do you, you know, I thought I'm supposed to go overseas. I thought we're supposed to be here one year, and I, I was just devastated. And I went on this job search and trying to figure out who I was, and similar to you, Eric, and, and God, what do you call me to do? And I was, I was driving by, and I had previously worked at a Methodist church as a youth minister, and I was driving by, and I just felt a tug. I've never had this audible voice. It wasn't even audible. It was a tug. It's like, Danny, I want you to go into that uh, church right there. And I just was like, okay. And I just walked into this pretty large church in North Atlanta, brick building, and I said, hey, you know, I'm Danny. I'm a youth pastor. I've lived overseas. And, you know, are you guys looking for anything at the church? And they're like, well, did you see our ad in the paper and the whatever on the web? And I was like, no, 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 I was just driving by. I felt the Holy Spirit. Like, we just had a prayer meeting last night. 
that God would, you know, for our youth ministry, they've been looking for about six months for a youth pastor. And, and obviously they interviewed me and, and went through a whole process. And, and Eric and I, I learned more and grew in that experience. And I started seminary while I was there. They even paid for part of my seminary. And in those conversations, Eric was like, what's our long-term goal? As we were really struggling. And one thing I said is, I, you know, I, I love missions. I love the nations. I love college students. I love youth. And she's like, well, what would be something you would want to do one day? I was like, I don't know. I, maybe I'd be at Duke and I'd be like doing something with missions because I love academics. And this was the year we were married, 19 years ago, like when I was struggling. I didn't plan on coming back to Duke. My path through Duke went through other countries and whatever. So even God weaved all these different things. And now I actually serve at Duke. I, didn't, I just named Duke kind of as a random thing. That was the first thing that popped in my head as as a, my as a, as a, Eric as a UNC fan. I just knew they had a seminary there, and I knew that they had international students were coming and getting biblical mm-hmm. training. I just used it as an example, and I don't know. So for those of you out there, just I just say that because I, I was literally so depressed for that month that I was like, God, what am I called to do? And God was patient with me but he wanted me to he wanted me to be at that church for three years without that experience there's no way i would be the minister that i am today and without each experience along the way so i just want to encourage you guys that Mm -hmm. god is moving and working in all things and i'm so grateful to be at waypoint as a minister here that's a good word daddy i hope that encourages all of you i hope you enjoy this podcast and i get a chance to know pastor eric and pastor danny myself a little bit better but more than anything i hope you guys saw that god is a patient good God, and he has a great calling over your life as well. So I love you guys. I hope you guys are having a great day, and we'll see you. Talk to you next time.